Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? Well, we're coming up to the end of the year, which means we've all got our sights set on the future, 2021. And actually, I was thinking about trend forecasting. Trend forecasting is what a number of different companies do over a number of industries. It actually started in the fashion industry. So there's a really big trend forecaster called WGSN. And they forecast the colors and trends up to two years in advance, including, you know, what textiles, materials, fabrics, styles, and obviously the fashion industry impacts a load of other industries. So what WGSN does is make these future trend forecasting reports, which then they send out to a bunch of massive companies like H&M, Zara, whatever. I think Urban Outfitters does its own trend forecasting in-house. But they forecast these trends. And then the corporate world, all of these fashion houses, basically make their collections based on these trends that have been predicted. So if you're always wondering why everything is the same color in all the shops or, oh my God, everything is skinny jeans right now and I don't fit into that, it's because of trend forecasting. And I just think this is a super interesting discipline. Also, fashion is super interesting right now because the fashion industry was really impacted by COVID. We were all really impacted by COVID. We didn't see it coming. So can we actually predict the future? I personally don't think that trend forecasting so much predicts the future, but they decide what is the future. So WGSN has about 6,000 current subscribers to their expensive reports. Sort of in juxtaposition to WGSN, there is this collective called K-Hole, which I believe are now defunct. I don't think they exist anymore. But at the height of their existence back in 2015, they were the ones who coined the term normcore, and we can get back more to that normcore later. One of the interesting things about K-Hole and normcore is Alexa Chung does a really interesting interview with them for the British Vogue, and in that, they mentioned this idea that they were looking at the relationship between, I think they say, culture and commerce, and how these two things are linked and how all of these trend forecasting places do, in their words, very shallow cultural analysis. But one of the things that I think that these trend forecasting reports do is their employees are, you know, trolling the internet. In this article in High Snobiety, they talk about WGSN, and they mention that, you know, the lead of digital marketing, she says how she just spends all day on Instagram looking at cool kids' fashion, and then when they spot something that they like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. But they kind of make it the next big thing. If all these huge retailers and people with influence are subscribing to their platform, then it's not really so much trend forecasting as it is trend deciding, right? The fashion industry didn't really plan for a pandemic when all of a sudden everybody was going to be wearing masks and sweatpants and no bra. The trend forecasters were picking trends that they saw from kids on Instagram and deciding, oh, I see this happening a lot, so we're going to put this in our report. That's like big retailers are going to pick up on it, and it's going to become a thing. Yeah, according to this other article, there is apparently more that these forecasters give you in exchange for your big fee that you pay them. They say that trends are a response to consumer needs or to cultural change, which pushes them towards a new 
more acceptable product. So apparently there are methodologies that they use to identify emerging trends and techniques in predicting their scale and longevity. They see something cool, but they also identify what has sparked that particular trend. And there are common ways that trend occurs, such as a new technology, a fabric innovation, or what they call a pendulum swing or fashion cycle. So a pendulum swing is a movement between fashion extremes, for example, long hemline and short hemline or fitted versus oversized. So the trends that have been identified for our future over the next two years are woven tops and the hashtag there is stay home style. It's a kind of return to femininity, which is predicted to make a comeback. So from slimline shirts to billowing blouses, there's this thing called new historics. Apparently it's a hashtag, which is a sort of romantic historical proofs and pleats and volumes and things like that. And fluidity of texture, so responsibly source silk, cellulosic blends. And then also bow ties and neckties and draping as well. This is sort of seen as a response to corona, I guess, because everyone wants to sort of dress up, this kind of fancy dress romantic thing. But then also, at the same time, what people need is, like what I've been doing in the last few days, is really comfortable clothes, basically pyjamas, that you can also go to the supermarkets in. As a response to last season's little bra top and bralette, more of a corsetti look is coming in the trends are identified or like cool stuff is identified they pinpoint whether it's a pendulum or reaction or what needs that trend is fulfilling in order to set it as a trend but you're right then they they decide it and then it just becomes it also in terms of colors next year yeah pantone just announced their colors it's yellow and gray those are the colors for 2021 a very specific yellow i should say And one of our designer friends told us that, yeah, yellow is coming in and we're going to make a gradual shift towards a butter yellow. Mm -hmm. And that starts coming in from now, sort of more, what do you call that, mustard yellows and to work our way up. Also turquoise, like a very bright turquoise, but also we'll be working our way towards it. This brings us back to K-Hole and what they did in 2013 with their report for the London Serpentine Gallery for the Freeze Art Fair, where they coined the term normcore, in their words, they observed something within young kids. Because they were saying that these trend forecasting reports, there is something kind of, like, I don't want to say cold about it, but sort of in a little shallow. bit. They were saying shallow. Shallow, yeah. But more so just like you have these people sitting somewhere in an open office plan in London or New York somewhere and they're trolling the internet for photos of 16-year-old kids in in Brazil or Chinese street fashion is like the thing right now on the internet, right? The art collective K-Hole. We're observing that you have all these people trying to analyze young kids and come up with theories about pop culture and what's going to be the next in thing, but they were doing it at a very, very shallow level. And they were looking at their friends, they sort of like honed in on this idea that millennials all, or supposedly all think that they're very special. And so if everyone thinks they're really special, then being unique is no longer unique. So how do you, in their words, opt out? Well, you can't really. They came up with this theory called acting basic, where you just try to be as bland as possible. And then they sort of from there, their second option was this idea of norm core, which is basically that you're just as slippery and as adaptable as possible. 
So everything about you was just normal. So you're wearing white trainers, black clothes. Yeah. But one of the things that Emily Siegel, who is one of the founding members of K-Hole, emphasizes in the interview is there weren't new words within fashion. So she's saying about how, yeah, they observed the trend of normcore and thus they kind of made it happen because they coined the term. And so thus people started looking for patterns and seeing this happen. People just didn't have language and words to describe fashion. And so all they they really did was give people new words. I think she believes this word's neologians. They sort of came up with this new word and thus people sort of started recognizing trends. And it became a massive hashtag. And it's actually and like snowballed. The, cu- the cut picked it up and that really brought it to the mainstream and caused it to explode because it was sort of like an art project at first. One of the things that like this High Snobiety article, which whoever wrote this High Snobiety article clearly also watched this British Vogue documentary that Alexa Chung did because it's almost a copy. They also talk about how would this trend have happened if K-Hole hadn't have pointed out? Because the trend was happening in some way. They just drew people's attention to it. So they gave people the vocabulary. People started using it in a way that they hadn't intended. They didn't want to police people's use of their language. They were sort of like, we want this to grow organically and become whatever it's going to be. Would this trend have snowballed? They brought it to the public attention. There is something very interesting happening in the fashion industry now, which is that before, all the major fashion houses decided what they were going to do, and then it would filter all the way down, all the colors, all the main trends, blah, 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 would filter down to society. But now with the internet and Instagram and this democratization of style Mm -hmm. and fashion, and there's so many of us connected to each other on a grassroots level. If we see something that somebody's wearing on Instagram that's really cool, we might copy that and then that becomes a trend. So it's become more of a street level and then goes up towards the fashion brands. So fashion has been more kind of democratized as well. The CEO of WGSN, she says something similar in the interview with Alexa Chung, The impact of technology is just massive. According to Ericsson's 2019 Internet of Things forecast, there will be around 29 billion connected devices globally, which will be three times the human population. So 75% of the world's population will have internet access. That just means that we are going to be much more kind of connected to each other and to different cultures. And yeah, like Chinese street fashion can be a thing. Chinese street fashion was drawn to my attention because I saw it on Instagram and it's huge on TikTok. People make these videos and they they go viral. And that would not have left China had it not been for the internet. Yeah, so what you're talking about is the commodification and commercialization of culture, I guess. So a kid in China starts doing something and then a massive fashion house like H&M picks up on it and turns it into products and money. I guess that's always happened. But it's very interesting also with the K-Hole thing because K-Hole is an artist's collective and artists are the creators. Everything comes from, you know, trend forecasters. They look around. They don't invent anything, whereas artists and creators, that's where everything kind of comes from. And then it goes to fashion, the fashion industry, and then it filters down. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar with language as well. If you look at all of the words that are like on fleek, lit, simp, all of these words that are now like very big. On fleek is not in anymore. I'm sorry, I'm not down with the kids. 
But all of those words start from the most marginalized community and then are sort of adopted and then become mainstream. It's the very the similar with clothes and fashion, the commodification of that. It's really funny because there are these memes going around the internet, like things that poor people do that's kind of not cool, like cocaine, versus things that rich people do, like cocaine, that's kind of really socially acceptable and cool again. And I was just thinking about like hooped earrings came from the Latino mm. community, these big hooped earrings. And, you know, everyone would be like, oh, that's so ghetto. Nobody, you know, no rich white woman would ever wear them. But of course, it got picked up as a trend, as a fashion thing, went through the big fashion houses. And now rich white women are very happy to wear that stuff and pay a lot of money for it. And the Latino community doesn't really benefit from that appropriation at all. The hoop earrings in the Latina community Trend forecasters pick up on this trend, they put it in their reports, and then there's a backlash against it. But where are the voices of these marginalized communities? Where are the voices of the inventors of these trends? They're not heard, they're not involved in the conversation, whereas, you know, they've gotten the short end of the stick. It's been happening for a while now that, you know, the massive fashion brands have not had as much influence. And then now with Corona, they have suffered massively. The luxury market is set to lose between 65 and 75 billion in sales this year, according to a report launched by Bain and Company recently. Around the world, all the fashion weeks were cancelled or postponed or they went virtual. And so the fashion industry lost a lot of influence that way. The question is, what is going to happen with, with all these big brands? Are we going towards more like people are staying home more? So people are knitting, making their own fashion, realizing that bras aren't important anymore. When's, I can't remember the last time I wore a bra. Is the bra industry basically dead? Stephen Kolb, who's the president and CEO of the Council of Fashion Design of America, has said that this is going to be a reset moment for the fashion industry because the structure of what the spring-summer 2021 season looks like is changing daily because the impact of COVID-19 is changing daily, right? We didn't know, what if, what if we can all get vaccinated by March? What outcome is this going to have on the fashion industry? Does it mean we're going to have fashion shows again in the summer? So, like, it's a weird thing of you can kind of predict what's going to happen, but maybe not really because a global pandemic is something that not even WGSN saw coming. So I feel like the effects are going to be very different. Also, people have had a long time at home in their own space, in their own skin, not really dressing up to go out, which just makes me think that in general, you know, we did see that the fashion industry with all of this other stuff that came up with COVID, you know, like inequality, racism, the gap between really rich people and really poor people, the fashion industry came under fire because they were just seen as irrelevant and racist and classist and everything. Also, I really do wonder about the fashion industry. I think it's going to be massively downscaled because we just are resetting our priorities and also coming home to ourselves in our own homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, we mentioned this in our Paris Hilton episode, but sort of that in terms of Instagram and in terms of Instagram content, specifically with the younger generation, there's been a move away from picture-perfect images and a move towards a more authentic and real feed and sort of expression online. And I think that this will potentially be reflected in fashion because after a pandemic like this, nobody wants an influencer on their feed pretending to have the perfect life 
and showing off their, you know, designer goods and stuff, the time of the apolitical influencer is over. Equality is becoming more and more of a talking point. As we move towards a more authentic way of being online, I think that we're moving more towards people wearing what they want to wear, individual style, Madhvi's leopard print. If we're no longer looking towards influencers presenting us with some weird manicured version, if we're caring more about the environment, if social justice is becoming more of a factor in our lives, then surely our clothes are going to reflect that. And on that note... Rina and I spend an awful lot of time on the internet and we realize that we are very, very well placed to be trend forecasters. Totally. So we're going to give you our three best trends to take into 2021 with you. Thing one, we've already done the 90s. I think the early 2000s are back. I think Juicy Couture might be on its way up. I've seen platform shoes, you know, those like really thick platform shoes that were in their late 90s, early 2000s. Thing two, Lithuania is going to be the biggest thing of the next two years. If you haven't heard our Lithuania episode, do that. Lithuania is super cool. They also have a traditional dress with these really big shirts with puffy arms and beautiful dresses and everything Lithuanian, including certain colours, like shades of beetroot, textures of sour cream, and scent of boiled eggs will be in. And dill. And think three, as social justice and the people become more socially aware, we will be moving more towards sustainable and ethical fashion and upcycling. That's all from us for this year. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We'll see you in 2021. Goodbye. If you like this podcast please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events, and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud, or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.